Amen. Well, thank you for being with us this morning. It's a pleasure to be here on the first Sunday in 2016. Uh, this morning we're talking about prayer. Chuck gave me a great intro, uh, so thank you for that, Chuck. Uh, we're talking about prayer, and if you'll notice in your uh, little bulletin, uh, the, the title of the sermon is called Reinvent Prayer, and I just want to start out by saying I'm not reinventing prayer. Uh, that's not my goal this morning. My goal is to actually talk about our prayer in a community and how we can be transformed and how our prayer can be reinvented for the purposes of God, not that prayer itself is going to change. So just to get that clarification out of the way, uh, this morning, it is my pleasure and, and it is my honor to talk about seeking God in prayer. Uh, if you were with us in Bible classes, you know that we talked about this in Bible class as well, that we're beginning a series there that's focused solely on prayer because we think that this is so important and so foundational for the future of our church. Uh, prayer really does matter. It really impacts us and it changes everything about us. Uh, and so if you were with, blessed to be with us this morning, uh, I'm so glad that you were there. I'm so glad that we got to be a part of that conversation. Uh, I hope that you'll join us in the future as we continue to explore that. This morning, I want to start by talking about uh, the prayer that, that many of us know, that many of us grew, grew up memorizing, reciting, uh, because I think it's, uh, it's the foundational prayer for, for many of us. It's the foundational prayer. It teaches us how to pray. And it comes out of Matthew chapter 6. Uh, we're going to read that here in just a moment, and then I'm going to ask us to read that corporately together. Uh, and, and there's a very specific reason that I want us to do that. Uh, but first, I want to read that for us uh, this morning. And so uh, if you'll put the words up on the screen behind me. It says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So Jesus, when he's describing prayer, when he's teaching his disciples about prayer, teaches them this prayer. And this is so important for the life of, of followers of Jesus, for people who believe in Jesus. This prayer is foundational because it really does express the things that are most important in our, in our, in our lives. First, we give honor and glory to God. And by doing that, we come to find that God's will is being done not only in our own lives, but on the earth. That, that as Christians together are, are praying this prayer and living this out, that we come to find that God is changing the world and, and transforming it into heaven on earth. It's a beautiful image. And from there we get to uh, things that, that uh, concern us daily, things like our daily bread and those that have wronged us. Uh, and finally, we, we conclude it with asking God to deliver us from temptation and from the evil one. And these are so important, such important foundational aspects that I want us to pray this prayer together. And I actually want us to do this for the following eight weeks. All throughout the series, we're going to pray this prayer together on Sunday mornings. Uh, and so if you would, please join me as we pray this prayer together. The words will be on the screen if you need them. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So the reason that I've asked us to do this over the course of the next weeks is not only because this is such an important prayer, because it is, uh, but because it's, it's actually a formational prayer. It's, it's a prayer that if we pray it together, it actually teaches us how to live in community even better. 
one of the best things that I've ever been a part of was at the church that I attended in, when I was in college. We prayed this prayer every week together. It was something that that church found so uh, important and so foundational for the life of that church that they committed to praying that prayer every Sunday morning together. And so uh, I kind of stole it from them, and I want us to be able to do that over the course of the next eight weeks as we talk about mission and vision because it's so important uh, for me, and I, I think it's important for us as well. We all have heard, you know, people have talked about it. That prayer uh, is, so, is so difficult sometimes. That our lives just get so busy that we get so wrapped up in different things that it can be difficult to maintain that prayer life. It can be difficult to pray a prayer like this every week. And so I want us to think about this morning, finding God even when it's difficult. Even in the difficult circumstances. And, and so Jesus, when he teaches his followers this prayer, he's, he's teaching them this prayer because it's important throughout all stages of their lives. In any season, at any time, this is a prayer that matters. And it's not the only prayer that matters. Scripture gives us a variety of prayers that we can turn to and look at uh, to, to learn from and to pray ourselves as we try and encounter God more and more. And so this morning, I want us to, to focus on another prayer, on another section of Scripture that teaches us a little bit more about prayer. Uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, feel free to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Uh, we'll be spending the majority of our time in the Word there this morning. Uh, but before we get to the passage that I've uh, picked for this morning, I want us to think about the, the, the context that this passage is written in. Uh, we're going to begin in ver- uh, chapter 4, verse 4, but just a few verses before this in verse 2, Paul has written to these two specific women in the church at Philippi named Yodia and Syntyche. Uh, which are very difficult names, uh, so I will mispronounce them at some point during the sermon. Yodia and Syntyche. And he's written to them because they are in conflict with one another. They're having a fight, and they're influential leaders in the church at Philippi. And a lot of people think that this is actually the reason that Paul has written this letter to the church, is this conflict that's going on. But if you notice, if you read through the book of Philippians, nothing gets mentioned about them until chapter 4, the very last chapter of the book. Paul has specifically waited until the very end to mention these two ladies by name, to mention the conflict that's going on there. And he's doing it intentionally because he's actually building to this point. See, Paul, when he writes this letter, this is, this is what many people believe is the purpose of this letter, that this conflict that, that's going on between Yodia and Syntyche, Paul wants to solve. Paul wants them to, to come to an agreement to figure it out. And so he writes to them and specifically mentions them by name and says, ladies, figure it out. Stop fighting. And that's when he begins this next section that teaches us a little bit more about prayer. So, chapter 4, verse 4. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people, for the Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but rather bring up all of your requests to God in your prayers and petitions, along with giving thanks. And then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. From now on, brothers and sisters, if anything is excellent and if anything is admirable, focus your thoughts on these things. All that is true, all that is holy, all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, and all that is worthy of praise. Practice these things, whatever you've learned, received, heard, or saw in us, and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul spends two verses in this whole letter on, on the main topic of, of, this, of this book. He sends two verses there, and then he moves on to talk about prayer, to talk about rejoicing in the Lord, to talk about the anxiety that's so easy for us to feel. 
He moves on because this is what he wants Yodia and Syntyche to understand and to come to realize. That they should bring everything before the Lord. And that they should do so gladly. That they should rejoice in the Lord. And that when they do, when they bring their prayers and petitions before the Lord, their lives begin to be transformed. And they do that by thinking about the things that are holy and just, admirable, true, and worthy of praise. Paul waits until the very end of his letter to talk about this. But I mentioned that he's actually been building to this all along. And so if you read through the book of Philippians, you'll see these same themes begin to emerge from the text. And actually, right from the very start, Paul begins this book with a prayer for this church. With a prayer that actually looks a lot like his advice to Yodia and Syntyche. So from Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you've been my partners in ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed it until now. I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. I have good reason to think this way about all of you because I keep you in my heart. You are all my partners in God's grace, both during my time in prison and in the defense and support of the gospel. God is my witness that I feel affection for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love might become more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you'll be able to decide what really matters, and so you'll be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes from Christ Jesus in order to give glory and praise to God. And if that doesn't sound familiar to you, let me point out a couple of things. Paul starts this prayer at the beginning of this book by saying that he's glad for these people. His advice to Yodia and Syntyche is to rejoice always. That even though they're in conflict with, another, with one another, they should rejoice in God. And so Paul is modeling this for them. And he moves on. Uh, towards the end of that prayer, he says that your love might grow more and more. Don't you think he's got Yodia and Syntyche in mind when he pins those words? When he says, I pray that your love for one another will grow more and more and that your knowledge and insight of God will grow deeper too. Don't you think he's thinking of those two ladies who are fighting with one another, who are leaders in the church and who are having an argument, who are, who are fighting and they can't seem to come to, to an agreement with one another. And then Paul says that they will be filled with the fruit of righteousness, with the things that are pure and lovely, the things that are worthy of praise so that they can give honor and praise to God and God alone. One of the things that is so interesting about this moment in chapter 4 of this letter is that Paul has not distributed a copy of this letter to each person individually for them to read on their own. He sent them one letter, and before the entire church, this letter gets read. Imagine being Yodia or Syntyche. Paul's written this letter, and then all of a sudden, here comes your name. Yodia. Syntyche. You have to come to agreement with one another. You have to find a way to meet one another in love. Paul's been modeling all throughout this letter what it looks like, what his desire for this church is. And if you're Yodia and Syntyche, it would be so easy to think about a defense, to think that you were right, to think of the ways that you were wronged and the ways that you can prove it. But Paul says, think about what really matters. And come to an agreement. I love that phrase that's tucked away there in uh, verse 10. 
of chapter 1. That by doing this, by, that by their love growing deeper and, and in more fullness, they'll come to find out what really matters. And that's what we're after in prayer. That's the goal of prayer, is to find what really matters. And we find what really matters is God. It's not the fighting between Yodia or Syntyche. It's not the disagreements or the differences. It's not uh, socioeconomic status. It's not race or gender. But what really matters is coming to fullness of understanding and love of God. And by doing that, we come to love one another even better as a result. So this prayer, this sermon is, is about prayer. And this sermon is specifically about our prayer, reinventing our prayer, repurposing our prayer, finding out how our prayer truly matters in this time of life at our church. Unlike the Philippian church, we're not a church in conflict. As fun as it might be for Chuck and I to stand up here and and, and to play act an argument between the two of us, uh, that's not going on. So we have a little bit of a different context from the Philippian church here, but I think Paul's advice to us would be the same. I think his message to us would be the same. In all things, rejoice in God. Seek Him. Seek His will for your life. And through that, may your knowledge of God grow deeper and deeper. May your love of other people grow more and more. And so as we begin this conversation, we wanted to specifically talk about prayer. We wanted to specifically talk about the ways that that prayer can change our church, that it can change the lives of the people in here, and that it can continue to transform us as God changes us into the people He's created us to be. And so over the next couple of weeks, Chuck is going to be talking about mission and vision, about the things that are important to this church. And through that, we want this to be a process that is bathed in prayer. Last week, Chuck mentioned to you guys about the 40 uh, days of prayer and the booklets that are available. And if you haven't picked one of those up yet, please do. Please pick one of those up. Start that today. Start those 40 days today. Because this is so important for the future of our church. It's so important for who we are that if we seek God, And if we come to know him more and more, we'll learn what God has in store for us. We'll continue to be changed and transformed into the people that he's created us to be. And it'll be a wonderful future for our church. It'll be a wonderful thing that God has given us when we seek his will and we seek to live that out in the life of faith. As we continue to talk about mission and vision, we want to let you know up front also that we feel like God has affirmed our church, that we feel like God has affirmed the mission and vision of our church that has been so important to us all along that this is not a moment where things are going to begin to change. I know that that can be a scary thought when anyone mentions the words mission and vision, like, oh, things are changing. Uh, but we feel like God has, has affirmed our church. We feel like God has affirmed the direction of our church, and we want to continue that conversation and continue talking about that in honest ways, continuing to honor our past tradition and continuing to look forward to the future that God has in store for us. And one of my favorite images that comes to mind when you think about this is from C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Many of you have heard those stories or read those stories, maybe to your children. Uh, And one of the things that is mentioned in those stories is when the, the God character Aslan is introduced. Aslan is this great big lion. And one of the characters asks, is Aslan safe? And the response is, safe? No, he's not safe. He's a lion. But he's good. And so as we continue in this conversation, as we continue uh, to talk about mission and vision, as we continue to talk about God's will for our church, no, it might not be safe, but it'll be good because it's God's dream. It's God's vision for our future. And we want that whole process to be bathed in prayer. We want you to join us in prayer. We want you to join us in seeking God's will as we look to the future of our church and as we look to the things that will be important for us moving forward.
And so join us by picking up one of those prayer booklets. Join us in prayer over the next 40 days. Join us in prayer throughout this series. This is something that's so foundational and so important for us that we can't do anything except talk about it first. Seeking God's will will always be important for this church. Seeking God first will always be important for this church. And we want you to join us in doing that. We want you to join us as we seek God and as we seek his will for us. Kavion mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer during his communion meditation. One of my favorite stories of Bonhoeffer comes from a movie uh, titled Bonhoeffer, Agent of Grace. And in this movie, uh, they, they depict Bonhoeffer in prison. And his cellmate, the person in the cell next to him, is this man who's been tormented by fear and anger and sadness. And, and he knows that he's going to be executed by the Germans. And each day, each night, he cries out and calls out. He yells in anger and frustration. And Bonhoeffer hears this day after day. And finally, one day, Bonhoeffer raises his hands, places them on the wall, and asks the man in the cell next to him to join him in prayer with God. And the guards begin to scoff at Bonhoeffer. They, they think it's, it's kind of funny because they know that the man in the cell beside him has no faith. They know that, that this means nothing to the other man. And Bonhoeffer does it anyway. And the prayer that he prays goes like this. Lord, it's dark in me. In you is day. I am alone, but you will stay. I am afraid you never cease. I am at war. In you is peace. And those words, the cellmate heard those words. And the next day, that man is taken away to be executed. And after the fact, the guards come back and they tell Bonhoeffer what happened. They tell him that that man was killed. But they tell him that what was really shocking about it all was that at the moment he was killed, the man stood there calmly and stilly. He didn't cry out. He wasn't angry. He wasn't afraid. He stood there calmly. And the point is that God was invited into that man's life. It's not about the words that Bonhoeffer spoke over him, although they're beautiful words. But in that moment, Bonhoeffer invited God into that horrible situation. And it changed that man's life. He stood there calmly because God had been invited into, into his life. And it's a horrible, tragic story. And just weeks later, Bonhoeffer himself is killed by the Germans. And it's a story that ends in great sadness, but Paul's words ring out. The God of peace will be with you. The man was able to stand there calmly because the God of peace was with him. Bonhoeffer had used those words to invite him into that moment. Yodia and Syntyche, these two leaders in the Philippian church, were in conflict. But Paul pointed out what really mattered to them. And it's the same thing that really matters for us this morning. And that's God. And so we will always be a church that seeks God first. We want to seek God's will for our future. We want to seek God's will for the big dreams of this church. A few months ago, the staff was able to attend a conference together, and one of the questions that one of the speakers asked of us was, what's God's dream for your church? And it can be a dangerous question. But remember, God's not safe, but he's good. So over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to be asking, 
what's God's dream for our church? What are the things that we're passionate about, and how does that line up with what God wants for us and for our future? And it's an exciting time to be a part of our church because many of the things that we're already doing, we're going to be mentioning those things. And if you're a part of those ministries, we're so thankful and we're so glad that you're doing those things. But we know that God's dream is bigger than what we're already doing. And we want to find ways to tap into that and to join what God is doing in our church's life and in the life of East Dallas. And so over the course of the next few weeks, join us in prayer. Be with us. But remember this one final thing this morning. It's not necessarily about the words that you speak. They can be beautiful words. They can be wonderful things, as Bonhoeffer's words for that that cellmate of his was. But it's not about the words. It's about the heart that's behind them. I love the way that Dorothy Day says this. She asks, does God have a set way of prayer, a way that he expects each of us to follow? I doubt it. I believe some people, lots of people, Pray through the witness of their lives, through the work that they do, the friendships they have, the love they offer people and receive from people. Since when are words the only acceptable form of prayer? We believe that's true for our church. We believe that, that the beautiful words that we speak in prayer uh, are, are true and they're, they're great ways of expressing uh, our, our faith in God. And we want to continue to do that. But we want our lives to be prayers as well. We want the things that we do to be ways of encountering God in this world and inviting others into that as well. Paul's words to the Philippian church was, in all things, bring, bring your prayers and petitions before God. And when you do, you'll begin to be transformed. The things that are true and just and lovely will begin to change your life. And the God of peace will be with you. I think his prayer for our church is the same. May we be a church that invites God into our presence constantly. And may we be a church that comes to recognize that whether we acknowledge it or not, God is already here with us. And God has a God-sized dream that only he can fulfill in this church. May we be a people that join him in that. This morning, our prayer team is going to gather around the room as we do every week. Uh, our elders and their wives will be uh, available if you are in, in need of prayer, if you, if you would like to seek God this morning in prayer. We do this every week, but especially this week. Would you come and join us? as we pray, as we stand and worship.